Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. The volume. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is celebrating with an unbeatable offer. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for throwing down $5 on the NBA. Win or lose, it doesn't matter. You'll start the season with an instant dub. And with DraftKings parlays, everyone's got a shot at even bigger basketball wins. String together multiple bets from the same game or build your parlay across multiple games for a shot at making your payday even sweeter. Basketball's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code JOHN. New customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly for betting just $5. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code JOHN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsible on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas. Licensed partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21+. plus. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out Podcast. How are we doing, my friends? We had some breaking news today. Los Angeles Rams have signed Carson Wentz. We will dive into that. Kyler Murray set to make his debut and comeback. Aaron Rodgers kind of admits he's making up his comeback. We will do a, a little Tuesday therapy sesh for an awful team in the NFL and discuss the television ratings for that morning game, Chiefs and the Dolphins, was really, really high. So is could the NFL be on to something there? Other than that, we did a podcast Sunday with Coward. Did a podcast Monday, football reaction to the Jets and the Chargers. We'll keep it rocking. We do five podcasts a week. If you're listening on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to 3 and Out feed. All the content is there. We got a lot because I'm talking into a mic for hours upon hours every week about the National Football League and a little Connor Stallions in Michigan probably as well throughout because, God, I I love that story. Uh, Other than that... We'll just keep rocking and rolling. Thursday game, buckle up. Panthers-Bears, that's about football at its finest. Doesn't get much better. So let's let's dive in. Before we dive into a lot of football talk, I need to do something. 
grab your smartphone. And when you grab your smartphone, go to the apps. And when you go to the apps, download a little app called Game Time, the official ticketing app of this podcast. And when you do, go take yourself to a game. A wife, a cousin, a brother, a daughter, a son, a dad, you name it. Go to an event and do it on us. Football games, college or pro, basketball game. College basketball just started. Down goes Sparty. We have you covered. Hockey, concerts, comedy shows. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to have a fun night out during the week, on a weekend, and I also want you to save a little money. So when you buy your tickets to your event, use the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, J-O-H-N, that's my name, and save $20 off your first pair of tickets on the Game Time ticketing app, which is the fastest-growing ticketing app in America, no big deal. And uh, they happen to be our friends here. So hammer that promo code, promo code John, Game Time, buy yourself a pair of tickets. Breaking news on Tuesday is the Los Angeles Rams, who are now on a bye. They've lost three straight games, look terrible, really, especially the last two weeks. Quarterback play in Green Bay against an awful Packer team, abysmal. Cut Brett Rippon, sign Carson Wentz. Now, to me, the overall headline here is the Rams have issues. I shorted them coming into this season, and I simply bet against their quarterback's health. Matt Stafford is now injured. They have backup quarterbacks playing, and they got problems. They invested in a quarterback during the draft, Stetson Bennett, guy who won a couple national championships as the quarterback for Georgia. They refused to tell us what's going on. He's nowhere to be found, MIA. So they had to go fishing in the free agent pool. Now, Carson Wentz, who's had one of the most fascinating careers in NFL history. Number two pick, was in the mix to win an MVP, tears his knee, derails his career, bounces around, has basically a three-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio, has been extremely productive in his almost 100 career starts. I think he has 92 career starts. Played a ton of football, very productive. Now, the eye test didn't quite look like the numbers, but still, in this world where the Tommy DeVitos and random dudes are starting all over the place, this guy could not get a job till after Halloween. And I do think it shows you. I saw this clip on Instagram, and it was someone essentially given somewhat like, like a TED Talk and basically discussing that the majority of business deals now and moving forward and like forever before are based on relationships. We do business in this world with people we know. Most people listening to this, I would imagine a lot of your close business associates, the people, if you're a sales guy, you do the most business with, are people you build, develop, and have fantastic relationships with. Welcome to the world. And through those relationships, they lead to more business. Word of mouth, talking about this person, you should meet that guy. And perception becomes reality. When you're told by someone, don't mess with that guy in any of the industries we work in, Word travels fast. People talk. Let's face it, we're bored. We naturally like to gossip. It's all we, I always find it funny when people are like, oh, they're gossiping like high school kids. I'm 39 and people talk the same way about their neighbors, their friends, and the people they work with. It never changes. My parents, to me, to you, to people in high school, everyone gossips. Fair or not, that's the way it is. And sometimes it's real and sometimes it's not. But when negative perceptions get put out in a business, especially one as small as the NFL, it can really impact you. And listen, I don't know Carson Wentz personally. I've heard some stories from people that have been around him in Philly. Not all that positive. But it doesn't matter what I think. Hell, at this point in time, it doesn't even matter what the Eagles think. He's been on several teams since. And the entire league, in a quarterback-starved league, with a guy who was literally, as we call it in the business, on the street, a street-free agent, any team could have had. And it's taken for a team to go through backup quarterbacks, to have a backup quarterback essentially leave the team, to have Matt Stafford get injured. For the Rams, who are clearly desperate enough, and let's face it, a little willing to do things other teams will not, to sign this guy. And honestly, it's kind of sad. Now, I think a lot of this is self-inflicted. Some of it is out of his control. His career definitely got derailed once he injured his knee, but he had other you know, opportunities. The Indianapolis situation, that owner's a kook. 
and then everything that happened in Washington, tough place to win. But clearly there was a resonating in the locker room that Heineke had that this guy clearly did not. And there is more to playing NFL quarterback than just throwing touchdowns and leading your team to first downs. Obviously, that is the most important thing. But at that position, resonating with other guys, having coaches believe in you, here's the other thing. When you're not a lock starter, right? When you are a no-doubt-about-it, top 10, top 15 quarterback in the NFL, you're basically on scholarship on on a given season or for a given contract, you are going to be the starter, right? So we can deal with the ups and downs of your personality, even though... It feels like from at least the outside and knowing people in the NFL, most of the high-level guys, Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, uh, Trevor Lawrence, like people really like these guys and being around them, which is ideal. You want your starting quarterback to be the guy that everyone kind of gravitates toward and uh, people want to spend time around. But listen, it's we're all humans. Aaron Rodgers had an up-and-down personality for a long time in Green Bay. But when you're good, people deal with you. When you're not good... And you make a lot of money, people go, this ain't going to work. And one thing I heard this offseason is I don't know if Carson Wentz exactly viewed himself like a backup quarterback. And until you can look in the mirror and kind of take inventory of where you are in your career, sometimes you have to change first. And if you're unwilling to change, then you're going to continue to have problems. And maybe he's really been humbled by these couple months. I I read that John Gruden had been working out with them. Obviously, Sean McVay got his start in the NFL under John Gruden. It'd be one thing if, like, yeah, Carson Wentz just fucking stinks. Who wants that guy? He can't play. He clearly is not as good as we all thought he was going to be, but he's nowhere near as bad of essentially being out of the league at 30 years old. If it wasn't for what feels like a historic amount of injuries in the NFL, this guy probably wouldn't sign a contract all season long. And now, here's the thing. You know the great part about the world we live in, especially this country, is some guys just get a countless opportunities. And it's like, yeah, we might have screwed up some of these previous opportunities. Now, financially, he's clearly set for life. But like his football opportunities, that window felt borderline closed. Well, now he's got another one. Matt Stafford, whether he ends up coming back after the bye, I read a headline today that they're hopeful that he can play next week at Seattle. But let's say he can't. This Charleston Wentz could get a start. Look at Baker Mayfield. Look how everyone was discussing Baker Mayfield last year when everything happened with the Browns and then he goes to Carolina, so much negativity surrounding him. Then he goes to the Rams, he beats the Raiders, gets someone, we all need people that are proponents of us, right? Beyond like our parents, our family, and our wife or girlfriend. You need people professionally that are willing to put a stamp on you, especially successful people in a given industry. If you get that, it's going to open a lot of doors. And Baker Mayfield last year, it looked like he was down and out. Kind of toxic. Then what happens? Goes to the Rams. Sean McVay kind of gives a thumbs up. Like, I actually kind of like this guy. What happens this offseason? The Bucs, they don't only need a quarterback, but they kind of want him. And so far, Baker Mayfield's a good example of a guy that looked like he was headed where Carson Wentz was. He's going to be out of the league to now. Teammates like him. People like him. And, And listen, No one ever, like Baker had his ups and downs with Odell Beckham, but it never got as nasty, not even close. So I'm not necessarily comparing these two situations, but it does show you, man, the reason so many random quarterbacks hold jobs as backups for so long, because people in the building like them. Because the, the quarterback coach, because the offensive coordinator, because their teammates really like being around them. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The reason the Colts never practiced with their backup quarterback because if Peyton Manning goes down, they were fucked, and they didn't practice fucked. And that's how most teams operate, even though you're one play away from having a disaster with your quarterback. But let's face it, when your top quarterbacks in the NFL go down, you're in major trouble. There's not that big of a gap between Daniel Jones and Tyrod Taylor. But between if Patrick Mahomes goes down, yeah, Chad Henney could have a moment, a game, but if he had to play a season, they would have been in trouble. No different right now with Blaine Gabbert. Their success is predicated on their defense and their quarterback. So I think it's going to be fascinating to watch this play out. I would expect him to get several starts. And let's face it, if things go well and Sean McVay goes, you know what? He came in humble. He came in willing to listen. That's another knock on him. Not the most coachable. You know what that means? 
doesn't listen when we tell him to do things. This is not basketball where you get to do whatever you want. This is the NFL. When the play is called, that offensive coordinator, who happens a lot of the time to be the head coach, wants you to run it their way. And from what I was always told is Carson kind of liked doing it his way. And let's face it, Carson Wentz's way led him to be unemployed at 30 years old in the NFL at quarterback, where he has a 3-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. So, fascinated by this story. It felt, I I, I almost said inevitable, but not really. I, I was kind of resigned to, maybe this guy's not going to get a shot, which is crazy, but it also shows you that's never the way it works. N- not at that position, not with this many injuries. And big picture, let's face it, the Rams hits their wagon to Matt Stafford, and rightfully so, he won them a Super Bowl, but banged up last year, hurt again this year. He has his moments when he's on. You go, God, I totally understand why you gave him $150 million. But then he has games where he's thrown to the other team. Then he's in the training, you know, the blue tent. Not the most reliable player at this point in time in his career, 35 years old. And I think ultimately the Rams, they tried to offload him this year, couldn't. They clearly tried to get him to take a pay cut, couldn't. I, I think they're going to be ready to pivot this offseason. And luckily for the first time in who knows how long, they actually have draft picks to have some options. So I think the best case scenario is they keep losing. Sean McVay gets to spend some time with his his new son, Jordan. And uh, the Rams draft a quarterback this offseason. That's what I would predict. Kyler Murray. I think it's pretty clear what the Cardinals want. They want to keep their options open. They have multiple picks coming into this draft. Because remember, they traded last year with the Houston Texans on draft day, which is why they got C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson. So they got an extra first-round pick. They're terrible. I mean, they're clearly 1-7. The only reason they're technically not the number one overall draft pick is because the Carolina Panthers are 1-8, and eight, who play the Bears on Thursday Night Football. Can't wait to watch that game. I'm sure you guys all agree as well. But I, here's what I think the Cardinals want. They want to just see what they have. There's a brand-new coaching staff who, by all accounts, Kyler Murray, I I don't think you change overnight, but clearly was humbled a little bit with everyone shitting on him last year, was injured, has just spent a lot of time thinking, was named a captain, which we can look at that two ways, named a captain just because they want the league to think that he's grown, or they actually kind of like him. Either way, if you're the Cardinals, your team stinks. And unless you get prime Peyton Manning or Patrick Mahomes, they would only get you a couple extra wins. Even if Kyler is healthy, which there's no way he's going to be 100% healthy, you're not winning that many more games with him than you were with the version of Joshua Dobbs that you had early in the season. But if Kyler physically just looks good, let's face it, unlike a lot of these older players that no one wants to trade for, Kyler, to me, still has a lot of trade value. Physically, he has all the gifts you've looked for. We've seen him in recent memory be a top 10 quarterback, and he's won before. When he's been healthy, his team has gone to the playoffs. Now, the big question mark with him is just health. A couple years ago, when they were cruising to win the division, he gets banged up late in the season. They end up not winning the division. They're a wild card. They lose the Rams on Monday Night Football. The next year, he's a complete disaster. Everyone gets fired. He tears his ACL. But I do think if he comes back, and just looks good, even if you lose. No one's judging him on, are you winning or are you losing? Just physically, you look like you're headed toward 100%. Because if you do, I think you got a tradable asset. And I think we'll see enough teams they are going to be desperate this offseason. You don't think the Atlanta Falcons and that owner is going to have some desperation of like, what the fuck are we doing with our quarterback position, Arthur? I know you got a mustache, and I know Pat McAfee loves you, but I watch you coach, fantastic offensive coordinator, as the head guy, unlike your dad, who's dominant as the as the sitting in the A chair, you not so much. This Bijan situation, a problem. We've drafted a million skill guys. I ideally don't want to trade for 34-year-old Russell Wilson. How about trading for a younger Kyler Murray? Can, can we figure that one out? So I, I think that he's going to have trade value. And then on the flip side, what if he's just good and you like him and you keep him? You already got this quarterback under contract. He's definitely talented enough to win with. And you just use those other picks, wait for it, on other players. (laughs) So obviously you always got to figure out the quarterback position. But what if this guy, who's never going to be a top two or three quarterback, can just hover around somewhere between like nine and 14? Because listen, I'm critical of him and his career. I've never disputed his talent. 
his accuracy, his ability to pass the ball, his ability to move, his ability to see things, his ability to make shit happen. I mean, this guy is way more physically gifted than, let's say, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun's bigger, but Kyler does everything else better, right, in terms of arm strength, in terms of movement, in terms of just speed, in terms of ability to push the ball down the field. So, listen, I think he's going to be a fascinating case, and I completely understand why the Arizona Cardinals would play him. It's risky. If he were to get hurt on your watch, you obviously owe him a lot more money, but part of life. (laughs) It's part of, you know, chasing success. You got to risk some stuff. Some things are going to work. Some things are not. This is a pretty big risk financially, but if you're the coach and the GM, the ROI on if it goes well, to me, is worth that risk. Will Levis named the starting quarterback. You could file that under, you could see this coming from a mile away. I think the only thing you hope, if you're a Titans fan, is this guy, win or lose, and you guys are going to lose a lot more games than you win, just continues to look like the guy that we saw, not the four-touchdown game, but on the Thursday night game. Like, God, this is really something. His arm strength is elite. His pocket presence and poise actually was much more impressive than it was last year. Never forget. And listen, you can call me an idiot, but at one point in time, I thought the guy could be the number one overall pick in the draft. Then he lost his offensive coordinator and got Rich Scangarello, who was an all-time disaster, who's currently not working in football, had a team that lost a ton of talent. Offensive line fell off a cliff. Their receivers weren't any good. His star running back, I think, was suspended the first couple games. So it didn't go well. But no one ever disputed Will Levis's pure talent. Now, is he a meathead? Is he kind of a weirdo? We'll, we'll see. To me, he's with the right guy that can kind of coach that out of you. Because if that is the case, and listen, I'm not disputing it. I'm not one of those disingenuous media members that see what scouts say who literally go into these programs, tell you what the coaches are telling them. They don't put their name on it. They're not allowed to. And go, that's bullshit. That's not true. No, that's literally what they're being told by the coaches who spend every minute around these players. So I believe all that stuff doesn't mean we can't change. I changed a lot in my 20s. I grew up a lot. I matured a lot. And the one thing we know, anyone who's followed the NFL and followed Mike Vrabel, like certain shit's not going to be allowed. And he's going to be all over this guy's ass in a good way. So to me, I think Will Levis can grow as a person. And as a player, I think there's a lot to like. And then another thing on the quarterback situation, I think if I was Aaron Rodgers or I was in his position, you know, my mid to late 30s, had unlimited amount of money, have already the pelts on the wall that I need if my career ended tomorrow, I think I would just say outlandish shit nonstop and just piss off all the people in the legacy media, just constantly just keep everyone on their toes. And I think it's a great, like every time he mentions Dr. Fauci, half the media's like, oh, you can't say that about Dr. Fauci. That is not allowed. That is so mean, Aaron. It's like, oh my gosh, guys, shut up. And every time Aaron's like, yeah, I think I'll be back, you know, hopefully by Christmas. Everyone's like, that is not possible. He cannot come back from this injury. Even he said, I guess he was being a little tongue in cheek, telling Derwin James he's going to be back in a couple weeks. It's like, everyone, just calm down. The dude's bored. He's rich. He's rehabbing. I I don't blame him one iota for just constantly saying stuff, knowing he can needle the legacy media big J's. Because there can't be an easier group to get more up in arms. I, I could list you 25 things to say if you were an athlete that will immediately cause chaos in their world. And no one is better at it than Aaron Rodgers. And is he coming back this year? No, he's not. Even if he could, he would get killed by that offensive line. I just saw someone DM me that said, you know, basically if people are being too hard on Zach Wilson. It's not all his fault. I agree. It's never all one guy's fault. Their offensive line is not very good. But you can't watch him if you just watch football throughout the weekend and throughout the season and go, yeah, the guy's a pretty promising young quarterback. You can give me numbers of previous famous Hall of Fame quarterbacks and go, ah, his numbers are somewhat comparable. When you watch it, you go, yeah, I don't see it. And, you know, I I give Colin a lot of credit on this. I was a big Baker Mayfield guy. Uh, I was probably not a huge Johnny Manziel guy. But character, makeup, maturity, 
is a huge, huge part of quarterback success in the NFL. Look at the top 10 most talented guys in the NFL. All high character, super focused, non-fuck around guys. Beloved by their teammates, loved by their coaching staff. And anytime that you bring in immaturity issues, which are normal for 99.9% of us guys. We don't mature at the same rate as women. I would say most of us mature probably greatly in like our 30s where I was going to high school with girls that were like, God, this girl's ready for like the real world. She's like 17 years old. But there's just something missing with Zach. There has been something missing from the jump. And then there's a skill set where, yeah, he's got a good arm and he can move. Yet when you watch it, it never actually translates to the game. Like Kirk Cousins now for about seven, eight years. Not a great athlete, not the biggest arm, yet you watch him. It's like, yeah, that just works. Does it have its limitations? Of course. But does he know how to play the position? Same thing with Jared Goff. By the second year, Sean McVay goes, and you go, listen, this guy's never going to be Steve Young running around. He's never going to have Tom Brady's arm. But that's what a quarterback looks like. You watch Zach Wilson, you're like, yeah, this guy, I would not want this guy to be my starter. I always love a good nugget when it's like, the Chiefs and the Dolphins in Germany drew 9.2 million people. You always got to put it in context. Relative to the World Series, congrats to my guy Bruce Bochy, fourth World Series championship, absolute winner. The World Series, now granted, you know, the Rangers have been around a long time, never won a World Series, and the Diamondbacks are one of the worst playoff teams in the history of baseball. It wasn't a great matchup. It's not exactly Dodgers-Yankees or Red Sox-Cubs, but it averaged 9.1 million people. So a lot of people watched this game. Now, relative to some previous Germany games, I think last year was a little over five. Unique situation. You get the defending Super Bowl champs against a really good team in the Miami Dolphins. So if you give these these morning games to playoff teams, it's going to get eyeballs. That's a fact. I think the problem is is a lot of the good teams, you know, if you're a playoff-level team and you have to go over there and give up a home game, it's one thing to give up a home game against a shitty team. It's another thing to give up a home game if you're, I don't even know whose home game that was. I assume it was Miami. But if you're the Chiefs, you're playing the Bills. You're like, this game could be in Kansas City. Can you just give us the Bronco game over there? So I think that's where they get themselves in some issues because they easily could build this morning slot into something that is averaging seven, eight million dollars. Now, granted, I benefited, as I said the other day, from Mountain West time zone. Arizona, for whatever reason, doesn't change the clock. So half the year's mountain time zone, the other half specific standard time zone. It was really easy for me to watch this whole game. Now, even if it was at 6:30, I, I definitely would have made an effort, even on a Sunday morning, probably to try to get up by about seven. But it, it just the clocks got rolled back, was I think it was a perfect combination of some things. But one thing's clear, and it's always clear in the NFL. If you give a fantastic matchup, people will watch. That can't be said in baseball, and that can't be said in basketball. Because even if I give you Warriors-Lakers or Dodgers-Yankees, there's still going to be major lows relative to what those games used to be in years past. That's not the case with the NFL. It's why we talk so much about this NFL dominance. It's the only thing in this world that can get us all to agree to sit on a couch and watch. It's the only thing. For a short period of time, Colorado was drawing like 10 million people. Dion had that power. Perfect combination. This famous guy becomes a coach. Football. One common denominator is just football. You put football on, whether it's fantasy, whether it's gambling, whether it's just we like watching it, it's easy. You know for a fact everyone's going to try hard in the game. You know for a fact, if they're healthy, everyone's going to play in the game. ton of different variables here, but they're all working on the NFL side. Clearly no slowing down in, in the process. I went to spin class this morning. I'm officially kind of a fat ass, and I'm like, I, I got to draw a line in the sand. I, I need to... Working out's not necessarily my problem. It's more my diet. I, I tend to work out five or six days a week. My diet can just fall off a cliff. Drinking probably doesn't help, but mainly diet. So it's a spin class, and we're riding away, and uh, <clears throat> the, the lady leading the class, fantastic. Sometimes you ever go to spin class, and you just watch the chick leading it, and you're like, God, she is, 
she's just smooth up there. How does she look so cool? I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like clunky. I'm like, no wonder Lance Armstrong was sucking down PEDs. This is hard. She talked about like, think of this like therapy. Get, get out all your endorphins, get sweat everything out and get yourself the right mindset for the rest of the day. And I thought my mind's always working for the show. And I'm like, let's do a little Tuesday therapy session. Let's do a little therapy Tuesday. And I, people can be like, middle cough, you tend to be negative. And it's like, yeah, it's true. I, you know, I get it from, this is all based on my childhood and my family. And I, I can lean negative. I'll be the first to agree. Let's be positive. Let's take something negative and try to turn it into a therapy Tuesday positive. And I was thinking about the Bears, a team I've talked a lot of shit about. Rightfully so. I mean, they've been atrocious. They almost went a year with losing. They're hard to watch. They're starting a guy from Shepherd College right now. Their coach just physically looks awful. Looks like his whole head's gray now. Looks like he needs to eat a sandwich. Eberflus looks bad. I mean, you talk about a guy that looks like he needs a vacation. Firing coaches left and right. Don't have a lot going for them. Not a fun team to watch. They're playing the Carolina Panthers this week. And so to me, this can be a positive. You are going to be able, if you're a Bears fan, to get a win. You're going to win a game, which in the NFL, even if you're awful, those three or four times during the season that you win are always cool. But you're also going to be able to beat the team you own their pick. Turn them 1-8 and eight and have that pick headed toward the number one overall pick. Because I know a lot of Bears fans would love to get the number one and two pick. If you end up with the number one pick, whether that second pick is four, six, three, or eight, who cares? As long as you get that number one pick, you control the draft, and that second pick is just kind of gravy. So, listen, brighter days are ahead. Didn't love the contract you signed Sweat to, but it is what it is. Once you trade the second round pick, you might as well just give them an unlimited amount of money. But you get to play a game this week where if you win, the team that loses also gets to benefit you. So I'm trying to keep it positive here. A little Tuesday therapy sesh. Brighter days are ahead for the Chicago Bears. Let's dive into my friends at Uber Eats. Because it's time for this week's player slash team I thought might give almost, almost anything to redo their game. Brought to you by Uber Eats. And I've been thinking a lot about this. Because, like many of you, I haven't seen the rating yet. I would imagine that Cowboy-Eagle game was highest-rated game of the year. It was just a fantastic game. Edge your seat, two of the bigger brands. And I said all week long, Cowboys need to win gritty. Cowboys need to win gritty. Then they're up 17-14. And then the Eagles come out, score a couple touchdowns, and you're like, God, Cowboys just going to lose this game, just kind of roll over. And they didn't. They just kept battling. But then every time they needed a big play, Dax Prescott's foot was three inches out of bounds. The dude, instead of being an inch into the end zone, was an inch out of the end zone. You talk about a game of inches. You talk about almost, almost winning the game, yet you lose. It's the Cowboys. And I appreciate the brand. I grew up on the brand. You know, there are some teams. Actually, there's really only one team. I hate the Lakers. I despise the Lakers. I don't hate the Dodgers. Really kind of irrelevant to me. (laughs) They've won one championship. I don't even count it in 2020. They played 60 games. But for the most part, like, whatever. Dodgers, well-run organization. I actually kind of enjoy watching them on TV. I despise the Lakers. Grew up hating the Cowboys. But honestly, because of Jerry, find them kind of entertaining. Root for them to be good. I'm glad now they're good. Because we don't have to fake talk about the Cowboys. Like, you do have to, like, fake talk about, like, the Yankees or when the Lakers suck because their brands are so powerful. It is fun if the Cowboys are going to win 11, 12 games. You can just actually talk about football stuff. With them. They have elite players. They have a Super Bowl winning coach who's very polarizing. So it's real when we talk about the Cowboys. But that was a game you got to win, man. You got to win. And they came oh so close. I mean, we're talking several inches his foot out of bounds. The play, <laughs> even some on the final drive, they get the breaks of a century with the pass interference, yet they lose. And you look up, the Eagles are going to cruise this division now, and you had a chance to win. So that was this week's Almost Almost Anything Player of the Week. And you can order Almost Almost Anything with Uber Eats, the official on-demand partner of the NFL. Order now. Don't miss the action this weekend when the Colts and the New England Patriots head to Germany for the NFL Frankfurt Games. These games will air on NFL Network and stream on NFL Plus. For a limited time, Verizon customers can get Netflix and NFL Plus for $25 a month 
with Plus Play. That's $120 in annual savings. Plus Play is a platform where Verizon customers can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, and NFL Network, which means you can catch the Frankfurt games and save. Just go to verizon.com slash the volume to bundle and save before the games. Hurry, this offer ends soon. Again, that's verizon.com slash the volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Did you know 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites? LinkedIn's the only one I use. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, let's dive into a little thing we call the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. It's just my name. DMs wide open. Let's start here. Quick question. If you were Lincoln Riley... Who would you hire as a defensive coordinator? I don't necessarily have a specific name, but I do have a concept. A couple years ago, Harbaugh hired, I think his name is Mike McDonald, from the Ravens, who had worked under Wink Martindale, goes to Michigan, and then Wink leaves to go to the Giants. What does Harbaugh do at the Ravens? Hires McDonald to be his defensive coordinator. Chip's defense at UCLA was awful. So what does he do? He goes to the Ravens, and he hires a defensive back coach who happens to be Anthony Lynn's son, DeAnton Lynn, who has been awesome for UCLA. I think there are a lot of younger assistants that are in their early to mid-30s that are DB coaches, that are linebacker coaches in the National Football League that I would be all over. Now, here's my question for Lincoln. Does he truly understand where to look and does he truly care does he truly care like i was around andy reed i know he cares about defensive football right i've seen it with kyle shanahan and sean mcveigh they really really value defense it means a lot to them they think about it a lot when i watched lincoln riley i loved mike leach i think he's one of the great characters in the history of sports One of the most unique characters. But one thing cannot really be disputed about Mike Leach. He didn't really give a shit about defense. (laughs) Not at all. And I I think Lincoln, who worked for him for a long time, and a huge part probably of his offensive philosophical beliefs and coaching beliefs in terms of how to score and how to run, run an operation, start with Mike, makes me nervous. So I would be all over I'd find the best defense in the league, some of their younger staff members that are position coaches, that are prime, maybe have some college experience, but even if they don't, like 
I'd be all over. If I was Lincoln Riley, why not just steal UCLA's guy? Double his salary. DeAnton Lynn, you want to come here? That seems pretty easy. Watching the game last week, I wanted to throw my remote through the TV watching Arthur Smith not use any of his young talent. Does a GM who drafts all these sweet players get mad at a coach for not utilizing talents that get drafted highly? For example, wouldn't the Falcons GM be fed up by using three first-round picks on offense that literally are used as blockers? I mean, what would be your educated guess on that one? I can't imagine. And one theme, I think, in sports history is that general managers slash executives can resent coaches when guys they draft high or just draft that they like do not factor into games. And it's, a, it's one thing, a one-off game situation, who cares? But when it is consistently over and over, I, I think you start resenting the coach, resenting technically your partner, right? And anytime you start resenting people, it happens in personal relationships all the time. It's usually game over. So I, I think the Falcons are headed down a very, very scary path because they've invested a lot. Like you said, they just, hell, they just drafted Bijan High. I think I saw a quote today. Arthur was like, you know, we're using him a lot as a decoy or he's opening a lot of stuff up for us. It's like, I don't know if that's what you want to be saying, my man. He was really good as an offensive coordinator for the Titans in Mike Vrabel. This is not going well. And as someone that rocked a mustache last week, his mustache looks a lot better than me. I don't know if you could rock a mustache when you suck. Mike Vrabel's rocked a mustache. Like, he could do it. Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, certain, I know Jim doesn't, but Andy, like, I, I, Arthur Smith, like, I don't know if you can rock a mustache. And I don't even think he has it anymore, but... Come on, bro. Let's let's worry about figuring out your team. Lifelong Cardinals fan here. Kyler Murray has certainly had his ups and downs in his young NFL career. He has a monster contract with a ton of guaranteed money. The Cards look to have a top five pick in the upcoming draft. Technically, it's two right now. Plus, they have the Texans' first pick, too. So that pick could be probably 15 to 20. Do you expect them to draft a quarterback with their pick or try to bolster their talent around Kyler? Also, do you think the Cards front office would trade Kyler at the end of the season in anticipation of drafting another quarterback? I think I laid it out earlier. I think you open yourself up to both options. If he's good and he looks promising and you like him and he's grown up as a guy, I think you could roll with him and keep drafting around him. If... You get the number one overall pick and just go, you know, and he's good, you trade him. Clearly, worst case scenario, he gets injured, you're on the hook. Maybe you win a couple games and you don't even get the top couple picks. I I would do what they were doing. If I owned the team, if I was behind the team, I would would play him. If clearly, you know, yes, he can't be compromised out there. If he looks healthy, he looks fluid, and he's anywhere you know, 85, 90%. You can't be 100% until you start playing some games. But I I would do what they're doing. Just was listening to one of your pods and got to thinking about how the Jets should have traded for Joshua Dobbs. This is why Willie Colon went on this epic rant last week. It's because the Jets were adamant they felt good about Zach Wilson. And his whole thing was, how could you feel good about Zach Wilson? Beside that you just drafted him number two, whatever, three years ago. Who cares? That's that's long gone. He's either good enough or he's not. And Joshua Dobbs is just a better player. I mean, that's not even debatable. But, yeah, I think they would like that one back. That That's on them. Of all the teams that are doomed to finish this year with a top five draft, or even top ten, will try to trade it back for players or more picks. There are so much more leverage against teams who will do anything to get a quarterback. There are plenty of teams that have no viable quarterback but are just good enough that they won't get a good draft pick. That happens a lot. I mean, that happens every single year. All these teams that in complete no-man's land. Imagine if the Raiders would have lost 
another game last year. And it ended up with like C.J. Stroud. Think about that. Think if the Raiders just had a good quarterback. I don't think they would be world beaters, but they'd probably be like 5-3 and three right now. They have really good offensive pieces. They got Max Crosby, who's like a defensive player of the year. But when you just don't have a quarterback, you're just kind of stuck in no man's land. And the problem is, and this is what drives me nuts about what the Dolphins did several... If I was a Dolphins fan, I, I could never, ever forgive Flores. We sucked so bad all season. And this guy in Louisiana looked like the fucking second coming of Joe Montana meets Peyton Manning. It's like, we're going to get Joe Burrow. And then all of a sudden, to win three of your last five games and to beat Cincinnati, I think in overtime, and to now watch the Cincinnati Bengals, who I think I saw a clip on social media today, Portnoy put like 68 grand on them to win 500 grand to win the Super Bowl. I think that's a pretty good bet. To me, if you told me right now, if I had to bet $1,000 on a team to win the Super Bowl, I'd probably pick the Bengals. Now, I guess if I was really thinking about it, I might pick the Eagles because technically their route is easier. Like the route in the AFC, you know, you'd have to play the Ravens, the Bengals, the Chiefs, even some of your random teams like the the Browns and the Steelers, like their defenses are so good. The random teams like the Chargers have Justin Herbert. So it's, it's harder in the AFC. But ultimately, my point being is, and we talked about this yesterday, when you get... Obviously, when you draft a quarterback, you're just looking for a guy to be like a top 15 player. You're just hoping to be like Jared Goff, right? Or Kirk Cousins. But if you get superstardom, it's like you're headed to the moon. Just listen to Monday Night Football Pod. I'm surprised no one asked about the Caleb Williams video that went viral about him crying with his parents in the stands. As a Bears fan, I'm paying more attention to the college quarterbacks this year. Do you see a problem with him crying? At first, I didn't. Football sports are emotional. I saw some people ripping him for being soft. But then I saw a Max Duggan video from his TCU run and him crying and Caleb tweeted LOL about Duggan crying, which makes Caleb seem like a prick for crying now. Wanted to get your thoughts on the situation. Obviously, the losses don't fall on Caleb, but showing emotion rubs some people the wrong way. There is no arguing that Caleb had some douchey tendencies in 2022. Painting his nails, fuck you to the opponent, is complete loser material. That tweet about Max Duggan, kind of loser material. Like, bro, the, the dude's fucking making a run in the national championship. I don't have the biggest issue with him crying with his mom after losing, and I'm recording this now, I assume he's playing this week in Oregon. My assumption when he was crying is that he was never going to play another game. That like he was just going to leave USC. They have no point to play, even though they're technically still alive because they play Oregon this week. They win that game. They, they could still go to the conference championship game. But I assume like his college career was over. I was out at dinner, so I didn't get to watch the second half of that game. Obviously, they lost again, lose by 10 points. I, I think here's the, it doesn't bother me that much. Honestly, I'm way more, even the tweet, like I've sent a million dumb tweets. Who the fucking cares about Twitter? I mean, Twitter's completely irrelevant. We all tweet things that look dumb in hindsight. I think that the the painting the nails was as big of a D-bag move as I can ever remember for an elite player. (laughs) Honestly, like that's Lincoln Riley allowing that. That reflects Lincoln Riley as well, too. But this season for USC, the hype that was behind him, and he played awful against Notre Dame, but for the most part, he's been damn good. And that team to play like that, so I, I, it doesn't bother me as much. I'm not the biggest crier, though I get emotional at times. Like, listen, we all, I, I, I don't care. I guess overall, I, I don't care. And it's, it's, of course, people on social media, everyone's going to have a take. My take simply was like, Lincoln Riley had one of the worst years coaching in the history of the sport because he's the head coach. He's not just the play caller. And to allow his defense and that defensive coordinator to waste that quarterback, like for the most part, the quarterback play was fantastic. Awful against Notre Dame, but doesn't bother me as much, I guess, overall.
painting nails last year, that, that would be something we'd have to talk about. And listen, if he said, I was an idiot, I was young, I've done dumb shit when I was young too. So I, I give leeway to younger people, right, to say stupid shit, as long as you change, and as long as you can acknowledge you did something dumb. If you, if you double down on dumb, then I just think you're a fucking moron. And then you make me nervous. But his talent, he, in a vacuum, non-character leadership stuff, he is clearly the most talented quarterback in this class. His only knock is short relative to elite prospects. He's like, you know, tad under 6'1". Best arm, athleticism elite, strength elite, accuracy elite, playmaking elite. He's awesome. Love the comment about McDaniel being a con man. You should put together a list of the all-time con men in the NFL. As a Lions fan, I nominate Quinn Tricia, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia. Those two bozos had no clue. Keep up the good work. Okay, let's just rattle through some con men in recent memory. Joe Judge, who got the job with the Giants, history says, and I had heard, that he went to the interview and crushed it. Clearly, if if Joe Judge is going to crush your interview in the NFL and you're going to make him as your head coach, that's a con man. Because that is a fantastic way of fooling people. That guy should never be a head coach. When I got out of the NFL and started doing radio stuff, Jim Harbaugh was going through... Him and Trent Baalke were buttonheads. And Trent was much closer with Jed and Parag, and they chose him over Harbaugh. One thing, and this guy was always known as this blue-collar, tough guy, Tom Sula, I had heard was kind of backstabbing him behind the scenes. And when you are known as like Mr. In the Trenches, blue-collar, an everyman but you're behind the scenes hobnobbing with the owner and bad-mouthing not just Harbaugh, but Vic Fangio, it's kind of con man tendencies. Like, pretty big con man move. So I, I would put Tom Sula up for his situation with Harbaugh. I would say Gruden did a pretty excellent job of con man might be the wrong word, but of just marketing his greatness and how sweet he was, I bought into it. That all those years with uh, on television, to then come back, and I was like, God, John Gruden turned down job after job after job. He's making $10 million on TV. He's got colleges and NFL teams begging for him. Then he gets to the NFL, just constantly lying through his teeth, runs through a GM, hires Mayock, makes the dumbest fucking personnel move. Listen, I give coaches a little leeway. I don't expect them to be, you know, Howie Roseman meets Bill Polian meets Theo Epstein and Pat Riley. Like, they're going to have limitations as personnel people. They're coaches. They live in the present. But Gruden, I mean, jumped the shark on a disastrous front office situation and his personnel moves. I mean, guy after guy after guy. I mean, he had multiple guys arrested and another first-round pick that's not even in the NFL. Within like a two-year span. These guys were top 20 picks. You couldn't make the shit up. So I, I would say Gruden. I would put Gruden. This is the ironic, ironically that they both ended up on the Raiders. Gruden and Josh McDaniels. Because listen, I, I think most people thought Tom Sulu was going to be bad. Now sometimes, listen, let's face it. A lot of people thought after that press conference that Nick Sirianni, like God, what did he do to con these guys? Nick Sirianni's pretty good. Good leader of men. People like him. Gets along with Howie. Can run an operation. Can hire assistant coaches. So I, you could argue that Gruden and Josh McDaniels, but Josh over Gruden, because I do think Gruden had people that did like him as players. You could argue Josh is the all-time con man. Because I'd say most people thought, like, that's a pretty good hire. I think it's going to work. They can't stand... I saw a clip today on Bleacher Report. I don't know what game he would have been at. It wouldn't have been the Vegas Aces. Maybe he went to a UNLV basketball game, but Devontae was at a basketball game. And a referee came up to him. I'm pretty sure this was yesterday. And the referee said he was just at the game. Congrats on the win. And then Devontae starts talking to him. And Devontae looks at him and he goes, it's going to be a lot better now. Devontae and Max Crosby despised Josh McDaniels. 
it's one thing. Listen, whenever you work for someone, you're going to have your days where you're mad at him, where he's driving you nuts, where you'd love to just say F you. It's, we're all human beings. Leadership is not always kind. Sometimes to be the boss, you got to be an a-hole. It's another thing to have these guys, I, I mean, cheer you out the door. Cheer you out the door. So maybe Josh McDaniels is an all-time con man. Long-time listener and can confirm you're still the best. I like this guy. Here's my question. What the bleep is going on in Nashville? Sneaky, we have the most injuries in the league since 2020. Twice breaking the record for players used in a season. Ever since the single worst trade in NFL history, sending AJ to Philly for a first and a third, things have been downhill. The only thing I have hope in is Mike Vrabel. But his decision to draft a tackle, 11 overall, but play him at guard despite our awful tackles has me questioning even him. Can you make sense of it? Well, I think most people viewed Skaronsky as one of the better offensive linemen in the draft. So you just drafted the best offensive lineman on your board. And I also think most people would say, relative to drafts, you know, you weren't getting Lane Johnson or Trent Williams or something here. A lot of people thought he was more suited to play guard. So... This gets back to my defense of the Lions trading back and getting a... This draft was bad. Most people viewed... Like, Skaronsky in a decent draft should be like pick 26. But this draft was not very good. And if it wouldn't have been for three quarterbacks pushing players down, you would have been drafting second-round picks at pick 11. So, I don't have a huge problem with it. I, I think I think he's a guard. Now, I'd have to really text around, text some of my buddies some college directors, but I think a lot of people view him. I'm pretty sure, memory serves me correct, doesn't he have shorter arms? I mean, he obviously played a lot of tackle at Northwestern. It's going to be a rough year. I think you just got to hope Vrabel's good. And when it comes to the injuries, I always say this, I I think it's a little random. I, I really do. The Eagles went through a stretch. Everyone on the team was injured. The 49ers went on a stretch. Everyone was injured. What did both those teams do? Fired all their doctors, their trainers. Like, I don't know. I I think it's an easy one. It's easy to see when you watch a team play. You're like, God, this offense is terrible. This offensive coordinator needs to go. I don't think you can necessarily do that with trainers and doctors. I'm not saying there aren't some that are better than others. But I do think there's a level of randomness with this stuff. Some guys just get injured more than others. Right? I mean, Jalen Carter's already been hurt multiple times this season. Is he injury prone or is it just football? Guys get injured. I don't know. Like Traylon Burks gets carted off the field. Is he injury prone or did he just fall on his fucking head (laughs) at the end of the game? And the field's hard because it's cold outside. I have a hard time with that one. Skronsky, I just think he's probably a guard. I think that's how a lot of people viewed him. Could be wrong. But I think with the injuries, I think sometimes just crappy luck. Appreciate everyone listening. Keep firing in those DMs at John Middlecoff is the Instagram and we will talk soon. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host 
host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.